Welcome to the Special Needs Navigator podcast, hosted by Eric Jorgensen. As a widowed father of an adult son with several challenges, primarily autism, Eric has and continues to walk the path many of you are on now. This podcast will introduce and explain resources and services that may assist in your journey. The views and opinions of our guests are their own and do not necessarily represent those of Eric Jorgensen or Special Needs Navigator. Welcome, everyone. I have Rebecca Rubin with Disability Support Solutions here with me today. She is going to share with you what she does, how she helps families like yours, and how you can get in touch with her. She is based in Maryland. She does a lot of her work in Montgomery County, Maryland, and the surrounding counties. But as you'll find out, there is, even if you don't live in Maryland, opportunity for the future for you to be connecting with her. So without any further ado, Rebecca, welcome. I'd like you to give the audience a little bit of background about you, how you founded Disability Support Solution, what led you into this work, and whatever else you're willing to share. Thank you, Eric, for having me. So yes, I'm Rebecca Rubin. I am a licensed certified social worker in the state of Maryland. I got my MSW in 1994 and started out my career kind of on the mental health side of services. I worked in a hospital setting, a clinic setting, and in the emergency departments getting familiar with the mental health resources in the community and uh, referrals and things like that. In 2000, I got a job at the Jewish Foundation for Group Homes, which is a residential and day provider in Montgomery County for DDA-funded individuals. And I worked there for 12 years, 12 awesome years, where I was the director of programs and I worked very closely with families, both who had loved ones receiving services at JFGH and also fielding general community calls about services and how to navigate the system. And it was there that I really saw the need for people in Montgomery County and surrounding counties to have more help navigating the system under the Developmental Disabilities Administration. So over the years, I sort of thought about what that would look like. I connected with financial planners and estate planners and talked about what their needs were for their clients. And um, what I found was that the role that I eventually took, which I'll talk about in a minute, was going to be a great collaborative approach, working with other professionals who are already involved, like financial planners and estate planners, to help families go through this system of finding services, benefits, and other community resources to plan and design the life that they imagine for their loved ones for the present and into the future. That was the goal. So in 2012, I launched into Disability Support Solutions, LLC. And it has been for the last eight years where I have pretty much done what I've set out to do is I work exclusively with families of loved ones with mostly developmental disabilities, but I do see individuals or families that have mental health as also or primarily the disabilities. And my role ranges from Again, navigating the DDA system, applying for funding, exploring services, particularly in the transitioning youth part of the journey. 
So for example, individuals who are exiting out of the school system and are exploring adult services, I often take over where an educational consultant may have left off with those families in the school system. And then I also help individuals maybe later in their journey who are in services, who want to change services, or who are only in day services and are now ready to launch from their family home and looking into residential services. And then also exploring the benefits that go along with each stage of life, ranging from social security, supplemental security income, and then social security disability income as it may turn into later in life and other waivers throughout the state that address whatever support needs they may have through the life cycle. And and you're doing all of that under the disability support solutions, but a lot of people may not find you by your website. It sounds like you're being referred from family to family, not necessarily the website, right? So Yeah, um, so as I said, my services function in a very collaborative approach. So there's often a financial planner or an estate planner that refers to me, um, the school system, uh, various transitioning youth teachers also refer to me. I have connections through the coordinators of community services who have clients who they've identified as needing extra help. So it is mostly word of mouth at this point. It's a great way to get a referral, you know, with some personalized information attached to it. And that sort of is why my website is pretty basic at this point, Um, (laughs) but um, will be changing most likely in the near future. Well, and I encourage families, if they're looking for somebody to work with, to talk to somebody to find out who they've worked with. Because if you Google to find somebody, you never really know what you're getting. It's almost a crapshoot. But if you talk to a family that's worked with you and um, because oftentimes what I hear is, oh, I worked with Rebecca Rubin. I don't hear I worked with Disability Support Solutions. Right. Um, You know, and, and that's fair, right? Because they are working with you. Yeah. And I pick the name to really describe exactly what I do. So if there is a, a search for disabilities and supports and my link comes up, um, I'd rather them call me anyway directly so that I can give information that's more relevant to what they're searching for than to get it off a website. Because oftentimes, as you know, being in the field of financial planning, there are a lot of nuances that don't get captured from websites. Right. Well, even within any of the disability services world, at least as a dad, I've had trouble finding out what people really do. You have to call and you have to ask the right questions. But, you know, talking to you, and I mean, well, you and I have known each other for a couple of years. We've kind of been in and out the same circles. Yeah, You're pretty transparent. And, and that's why I want to give the opportunity to share you with my audience and let people know about the services that you offer. And this is a good segue into that because I, yeah. I do think you're valuable and I think more people need to know about you. Thanks. Yeah. As I mentioned, having worked on the provider side of services, it became very clear how there is no kind of seamless approach to finding these services. You can get information from different sources for sure about how to apply for DDA, how to apply for Social Security, how to pick an agency, things like that. But what I found is for families who want more of a one-stop shop, a seamless approach as they go through the life cycle that I can provide that continuity, a single point of entry, which is a convenient way of 
getting services and providing services. So I often have families that uh, while I don't see them on a regular basis, they may come back to me at various junctions in their journey to reconnect and to explore things. So I really think that's the strength in my services, even second to the knowledge that I share is that I'm not the person that they call just to send them to another number or another place. I want them to land with me and stay with me to the extent that they need my services and not feel like they have to have so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Aside from the obvious team that I mentioned, you know, of estate planning, which I don't do, financial planning, which I don't do, and obviously with any other providers who are also in place, I welcome to be part of my planning process as well. And I want to share with people, you're very high touch. You're very, very accessible. If if people have questions, they can reach out to you. You're there to make sure they really understand anything and everything. And what I took away when we talked is you'll, you'll go as far as even helping them complete the documents. And that can be pretty overwhelming when you're filling out a DDA application or or something similar. And and that's pretty unique in and of itself, right? I mean, a CCS may or may not do that for you. Yeah, I think the CCS role is intended to be a neutral approach to advocacy. So they are expected to be in that neutral zone, which makes sense for obvious reasons. But I don't have to be neutral. I'm not bound to any contractual obligations to state agencies or anything. So the flexibility in what I do is really very vast. And different families have different needs. As you know, probably personally, there are times that maybe you have more time to designate to filling out applications and other times you could use the help of somebody to really do it for you or with you. I obviously can't do a lot without consent and permission and stuff, but different families have different needs and different, you know, other distractions that they have or responsibilities in the family or employment. So I offer any level of support and need during any of those processes. I don't take retainers or anything like that so that my fees are flexible and they're based on the work that I do, not the work that I may do. So the investment in my services is very minimal in terms of, you know, I'm fee-for-service, and and I don't require any upfront costs. And the initial consult for you is free as well, right? Up to a 30-minute or something? I'll do a triage phone call, and that can range from 15 minutes to a half an hour of just making sure that the services that somebody is exploring are compatible with what I offer. So, yeah, I will do a free triage conversation over the phone. And I want to make Um, it clear, though... Rebecca, that that 15, 30 minutes isn't for them to pick your brain to try to get answers. It's really to determine, are they a good fit and are you a good fit for them, right? I'm not that withholding. I mean, if it's a simple question and stuff, I'm not against giving some information over the phone if it's simple and seems to be a pointed kind of conversation. So I won't, you know, withhold that just so to get them into services with me. But, you know, as far as reading documents and getting into the nitty gritty of the specific situation that they're in, then it would sound to me that that would need to move into more formal services. Yeah. And then at the end of that phone call, you'd quote them a price to say this is what you can expect to pay and go from there, right? 
Yep. And again, the way my services are designed, I initiate with a face-to-face or virtual, as it may be, a consultation, which I do charge for, but it's not binding in terms of any future services. So it's a way for me to get more information, give more information. My goal of those initial consultations is to be as efficient and productive as possible, that they families feel like they're getting information. And then from that point, they have the option of continuing services with me with some examples that I might give them or not. Some families feel that they've gotten the information they need and they can move comfortably on to the next steps that they have in front of them. Very cool. Is there anything that I should have asked you about your services that we didn't cover? Is there anything future state that you want to share or anything like that? Sure. So one of the things that came to my mind that I didn't wrap into the services description too is what I've gotten into over the last couple of years is when an individual is receiving services from a provider agency and they are not going well, or there have been some challenges. I've taken on the role of an advocate on the team to help mediate, or sometimes it's mitigating some circumstances to help improve the team collaboration approach. As I mentioned, I worked on the provider side for 12 years, so I'm comfortable of knowing the expectations of a provider. And I also know that families have expectations as well. So I used my experience and knowledge with that to help enhance the communication process, enhance the planning process that providers and families go through, especially when there's some kind of conflict or difference of opinion that sometimes occurs throughout services. So I think I've made a decent reputation for myself amongst providers that they know I'm not coming in there going to like shake everything up. That's not what I do. It's it's not, you know, some people think it may look like how during the IEP process when you bring in a, a lawyer or something like that. And, and this is something very different from that. I, I'm there sort of with both perspectives and helping to come to some type of resolution and plan to work more harmoniously moving forward. So I just wanted to mention that that's a scenario that I've also offered just based on my experience and expertise. I wanted to highlight that because I think there's a lot of value there, Rebecca, the fact that you have worked in that world, if only because you can speak the language of the providers. I think very often it's nothing more than two people talking And using different language. So it's just going like this, right? Yeah. And so having you there, like you said, to get in there and and not pick sides, but to mediate or to mitigate, uh, you know, being able to translate, I think in my own experience as a dad going through this, that translator role is critical, especially coming from somebody that can see from both sides of the point of view and really understands where both people are coming from. But it doesn't have a stake in the game. So you're not going to stick your flagpole into the ground saying, I'm not budging, right? Right. So I really see a lot of value there, Rebecca, of doing that. And I definitely wanted people to really capture that. I hear a lot about that. And I also hear a lot of families saying, well, I don't need anything now, but what happens when I'm gone? Is this something that you would do as a retainer or is this something that's an as-needed basis? So I'm glad you brought that up. That was the next area as far as looking ahead for disability support solutions. 
in my strategic plan, so to speak, I have started to develop a service, something that I'm doing now, but just as a kind of test run of advocacy services for individuals who are in services. It could be day services, residential services, or they are living independently but need very focused light case management where maybe parents or some family members are providing that support. I will be offering what I describe as sort of a continuum of advocacy once those parents, or in some cases it may be a sibling, are either no longer able to provide that advocacy or in a situation where they need additional advocacy that I can play a role at the table. Just to give you an example of the of the individuals that I do that for now, I visit them once a month at their day program, once a month in their residential program or their apartment, and I have a checklist of information that I get, and then I can give them either to whoever has been designated as the successor trustee or successor guardian and keep them updated, give them some ideas of maybe what that individual needs and then um, be a resource for the provider as well to be in touch with when there are needs. And again, these are often functions that parents are taking, even when their loved ones are in services. Parents don't stop advocating, obviously, for their children or their loved ones. So parents do come to me often and ask that question that you just said, Eric, of you know what's gonna happen when I'm not here. And my continuum advocacy services that I'm hoping to launch this year, uh, COVID kind of put a different timeline uh, to it, but hoping to launch that this year that I'll be able to offer that and offer some, an answer to that question, again, in collaboration with other things in place. And it sounds, Rebecca, like that would be a qualified disability expense. So if people are wondering where would they be? Would they be able to use the ABLE account? Because I'm sure that would be the next question. In my professional opinion, yes, you would be able to use the ABLE account because you are providing services to the benefit of the individual with the disability. Yep. So if mom and dad are gone, they could take the money from the trust, put the money into the ABLE account, use the money from the ABLE account to pay you or whoever you have doing this continuum of services. So, I mean, I see a lot of benefit. And then I also think people can use list funding for you, right? Or no? Yeah, I can use list funding. The definitions of the trust, that's where obviously you and the estate planners come into play to really make that specific determination that my services are compatible with how the trust or the ABLE account is set up. So um, that's where I would defer to that. But I have been paid through lists and also uh, ABLE account services. So, But I know there's sometimes some variables that are individual. So I would make sure there are other professionals involved to make sure that that's appropriate. Right. I just want people to know that it is an option to get thinking about, right? Don't think about it because nobody brought it up, right? I mean, you're so overwhelmed, you pretty much can see what's in front of you. So it helps to put other ideas out there. Yeah. And my recommendation for considering my advocacy services, the continuum advocacy services, is to talk to the financial planners and the estate planners about designating disability support solutions as a contact for either the successor trustee or the successor guardian. In some cases, that might be a sibling who enters in the picture with very little understanding of what's going on so that they can call me 
And again, it's a not binding kind of scenario if families have it in their letters of intent or in their wills or trusts that they would call me and I could at least, again, triage the situation and offer what I can offer. And then that person can decide to uh, initiate services or look elsewhere. Awesome. Rebecca, thank you again for making the time this morning. It has yep, been thank awesome. You. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Needs Navigator podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please leave a review wherever you're listening and hit like, follow, and share to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For show notes, information about our guests, and more information about Special Needs Navigator, please visit www.specialneedsnavigator.us.